Hello and welcome to episode six of the Sunday Conversation Series. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's guest is Kyle Gerstner. Kyle is a friend of mine. I've known him for several years. He's also one of my neighbors and he works out at my gym. And he's got a really incredible story of entrepreneurship. He is in the brick and mortar space. Present day, he runs several Freddy's steak burger and custard restaurants and several other businesses that he's got his hands in. And so he's got a really cool story of how he got there. For a guy that's about my age, he got into a, a, an, his an awesome business background an awesome business story. And his story I love because I don't have entrepreneurial genes, so to speak. And maybe I'm changing my genetic makeup as as each episode you know goes on and each year in the business gets behind me. But I don't have a very entrepreneurial family tree and I don't have a lot of experience doing it. You know, I've shared a lot of the successes and failures I have on the show, but I didn't quite figure this whole thing out until I was in my late 30s. Well, Kyle was a little kid, didn't even have any facial hair yet when he was crushing entrepreneurship. He's one of those guys that's just been at it for a long time. And he leveraged what he learned in his first ever business to make a second business and a third business and a fourth business. And now he owns a bunch of restaurants and he's got a great level of success. He also happens to be an incredibly decent human being. He's one of my good friends out here in Colorado Springs. And I enjoy all of our conversations and all of our all of our time together as well. I've learned a ton from him. Super inspiring guy. And I know you're going to enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So I don't want to keep you from it any longer. Please enjoy this conversation with Kyle Gerstner. Want to know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast, your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. All right, we now welcome to the studio here, live in studio in the international headquarters here at the Cody Builds Business Show, my good friend, Kyle Gerstner. Kyle, what's up, man? How are you, guys? Hey, man, thanks for being on today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got started in entrepreneurship. You have a really interesting backstory that you shared with me before we hit record, and I would love for you to share that with uh, my tribe here. Sure. Uh, really quick, I was the I was a neighborhood kid when I was eight years old. I had a really determined mother, and she's like, look, get out there, hustle as much as you can, and be that neighborhood kid who mows yards. So that's what I did. At like eight years old, I was the little snot-nosed brat that ran around, knocked at your door, and said, look, I think I can make your yard look a little less tall than it is. So that started at eight years old and I probably had that business until I was about 25. So I grew that by the time I was a senior in college when I actually had the money to buy a you know decent equipment, decent truck. I was probably working 40 hours a week as a senior in high school with friends working on the side, helping me out. Snow days would hit. I would be the kid who'd be disappearing in the middle of class to go shovel driveways or go, you know, go hustle the best that I could. That was kind of the first kind of foyer into entrepreneurship. I went to Wichita State for a, a degree in entrepreneurship, actually. Through that whole process, I had my landscaping business, but then I got pulled into the school even further, had a professor pull me under his wing and said, look, I see promise in you. I would love for you to be a part of the inaugural business plan competition at Wichita State. So I developed a business plan idea. It was a professional and personal concierge business. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's when you basically do whatever someone needs. So you run errands for them, you do grocery shopping for them, you take their car in to get an oil change, you book travel for them. Literally whatever it is that they needed, I did. That evolved to a valley parking company, a home cleaning company. Um, So I sold my landscaping company where I graduated college, started the concierge business, and then that was right at like 2007, 2008. For all of us that uh, pay attention to the, uh, the economic state of the country, that was not the best time to be starting one of those yeah. ancillary businesses. So I 
quickly over the next two years lost every dollar that I put into it, which yeah. eventually led me to meeting my current business partner. And he said, look, you know, what is it that you'd want to do next that this business is not doing what you wanted it to? And I've always had a personal connection to Freddy's, Freddy's Frozen Custard and State Burgers. It's based in Wichita, Kansas, where I'm from. And so I said, look, I would love to be kind of an area guy for Freddy's. Uh, my business partner at the time was involved in a few other concepts. And I said, look, I would love to be the you of that group. He oversaw four or five uh, local restaurants. That was in 2011, and here we are in 2000, almost 19, end of 2018, and we have you know, nine units across the country, building one more and many more coming. So when you got first made that jump to Freddy's, it was not, was it as, a, as an owner, like to start your own location of Freddy's, or that was more to get in on the manager, what was your foot in the door, I guess? Was it the managerial side or the, you know, being a GM, what was that transition like? It was actually an owner. Okay. That was like day one. Um, we, my, myself and my business partner have always been partners, so I've, I've been an owner from day one. But yeah, it was I, I was the guy who was going to be in it every day, and I had no restaurant experience. So I spent six months training. I was the general manager of the first location, the general manager of the second location, and then we just kind of went from there. And my role's changed eight times since then. Where were the first locations? Colorado Springs. So okay. our, our very first location was in Monument, Colorado, opened in January 12. Our second location was July 12. Third location was December 12. Hmm. Fourth location was January of 13 in California. Gotcha. Year one was a little busy. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So I think people, and I'm kind of wondering too, what was the connection with Freddy's? Like how to go from landscaping, which is a great business for young people in high school and college and beyond, like even as an adult, like owning a landscaping business can be very lucrative. And then the concierge business is a great way to get your feet wet in entrepreneurship and service and serving other people, meeting their needs, over delivering lots of cool concepts from that as well. And then steak burgers. So what's the connection? Go a little bit deeper there. The connection to the business or the connection uh, to, to the... Like, well, specifically to Freddy's. Like, if you're like, cool, let's do a restaurant. Or, or like, was it Freddy's was there because it's in Wichita and that enlightened you to, hey, maybe this would work. Maybe I want to be in the restaurant business. Or was it, I know I want to be in the restaurant business, but do I want it to be a Subway or a Shake Shack or a Freddy's or whatever it was? Gotcha. Honestly, I'm, I'm related to the family. Okay. Um, my story is extremely different compared to everyone else's. Bill Simon, who uh, was the president, he passed a year and a half ago. Uh, he was my very first, if I could call, client for my mowing business when I was eight years old. He was the very first client that I would pack my stuff up into my mom's van, drive to his house on a weekly basis, and take care of his house. Mm -hmm. um, through that, I started take caring, or taking care of uh, Randy Simon's house, who was another uh, friend, or one of the main owners of Freddy's, one of the brothers, and then Scott Redler's house. Between those three guys, they are the founders of Freddy's. And so I've always had that special connection, A, to the family, as I'm related. My mom's cousins with the Simon family. We grew up with the Simon family, so I had that additional you know, level of connection. I was at the very first Freddy's that opened in 2002 in Wichita. And it was just the, the, the local burger and fry shop that everybody went to. I loved the food, first and foremost, yeah. as well. And so it was just, it was just a really easy, natu natural progression. The time we looked into it, the concept was, you know, nine years old. And so they were starting to expand more and more. Our very first location in Monument was the 55th location. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's kind of that family tie-in, yeah. but that 
kid tying in that's what I grew up in. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the things that I've learned from you that I've tried to instill in my kids, my kids are seven, about to be eight, 10 and 12. I wasn't that entrepreneurial kid. I was that lazy kid. I don't know. I don't know what I did when I was a kid, but I didn't have any job. I got my first job when I was 14. I made five bucks an hour at, uh, at our school cafeteria. They had a summer program that gave food to lower income communities that we could serve. So we would take our school buses and deliver lunches. And my mom's like, I can get you a job there. It pays four seventy-five, five bucks an hour. That's fine. That's not entrepreneurship. That's just me making four bucks an hour loading coolers. So what are some tips that you have for, for, I don't know, either parents of kids my age or people that are looking to get into entrepreneurship? Cause you've been doing it forever. Like from the time you were my youngest kid's age, you were already hustling and making money on the side. How do you get into it? If you, if you're not, if that's not your backstory. First and foremost, you just have to try. You know, I was I comfortable at nine, ten years old, knocking on doors and saying, "Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm O Yards," and then you just kind of stop and stand there. So, you know, your cuteness can only go so far, right? So, you just really have to push and encourage. I know I had a phenomenal mother who was like, "Look, you can do this. I will help you. Um, we can make it happen. It, it, it's, it's difficult and it's very daunting for any child, I would assume, I don't have kids, that you know, they got to stand in front of an adult and maybe ask for something that they're not comfortable asking with. So it's just yeah. building their confidence, you know, giving them a lot of really good ideas, making sure that they are extremely simple. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea what to charge when I was 10 years old. I had no idea how long it was going to take me. I had no idea what ROI was. I, I, I knew nothing. But what I did, did know was I love buying things. I still do. Yeah. And so I had to get that money somehow. Um, you know, my, my family is, is very entrepreneurial. My mom has done multiple things. My father growing up had his own business. And so it was one of those things that was instilled in me. Um, but the biggest, yeah, biggest word is just to encourage your kids to do it. You know, push them out of their comfort zone as much as you can. Whether it's a lemonade stand or it is, hey, can I mow your yard? Or, hey, can I pick weeds? Or can I snubble or shovel snow off your driveway? You know, whatever it is, they'll, they'll eventually find it. Whatever, or, or find something that they're passionate about, right? Yeah. If they're, like, big into baseball, hey, maybe they can go around to the other kids on their team and say, hey, for $3, I will, you know, like, polish your mid up and, yeah. you know, make it you know, better for you, make it look better. So just you know, just trying to find something that's, that's good for them, it's easy, nothing that's too daunting. Yeah. I remember we, one of the first things I did with Jacob, my oldest, he's now 12. Uh, he was probably nine or 10. We, he's had an idea for a bike wash. I was like, great. That's super simple. That checks a lot of the boxes. We can go wash bikes. It's Colorado after all, like between dogs and bikes, like everybody, every household has several of each. And so we went around, I made a little flyer. It said Birch Boys Bike Bonanza or, you know, some, some <laughs> alliteration. And it, uh, I helped him think through like, let's do a, you know, a kid's bike for a dollar or two in my head. I'm like, you could do it in like three minutes, like just rinse it off. Like, so we took some cleaner and some sponges and some towels and his little flyers. And then I just kind of shooed him up towards the door to go ask people if he could wash their bike, like adult bikes were five bucks and he would grease the chain was his upsell for hit a little thing of chain lubricant for an extra buck. That was his upsell. And we did it for a few hours and he actually got really discouraged, which I could say, and then that was it. And now he's made 10 grand every summer, but he got really discouraged. Some people said no. Some people were thought he was cute. Sometimes he couldn't muster the courage to get the words out and say yeah. what he's actually up to or what the offer was. So he'd come back and he's like, they said no. I was like, but you got to tell him about the offer. Like the upsell is so good. Like don't call it an upsell. But like it's such a great offer for them. It'll take two minutes. Their bike was in the garage. We could see it. Like just let me wash it real quick. And and he got really, he got really bummed out. So I need to get more creative with Jacob. Any ideas for Jacob? <laughs> they like things too. <laughs> just, <They're> like <laughs> I would, I would most certainly think going along with them and helping you know, most definitely assisting him in the verbiage, maybe role-playing a few times with different scenarios. 
Um, it's because it's not going to be easy. And it's just building that confidence within him. You know for a fact that he can wash the bike and make sure all the dirt is off of it and the chain is lubricated the proper way. But what the hard part is, is standing in front of an adult. It's very yeah. daunting. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of giving him that, you know, that um, encouragement. And one of the things that we do in the restaurant world when we have a little bit of an issue with a younger supervisor or manager providing feedback to another team member is we have that most senior manager stand directly behind the younger supervisor or manager and they deliver the message to whoever they need to talk to because it kind of commands that level of respect a little bit but it kind of provides that hey i got your back right yeah. I'm, here, I'm here for you if you're going to stumble i'm going I'm to pick you up and i'm going to help you and if he, if he doesn't find the right words you can say well what about this or here is the offer or what do you think about that or yeah. hey let's break the ice with i just love your bike i love the colors of the bike you know, do you, where do you ride around here and just kind of get that conversation mm-hmm. going Let's let's talk about what that might mean for adults too. So the point of me starting this podcast was to track my journey from growing this online thing from scratch, this new one hour funnel movement, this expert business. And so a lot of people listening to the show, they'd like getting those types of tips or maybe they're at their nine to five and they're considering a jump. They feel some kind of void. They feel some kind of unrealized potential that they have to go solve a problem in the world, whatever that problem is, whatever their skill set is, whatever they for me, I always think about what, what do I do that I love so much that it's like 10 cups of coffee or I forget to eat lunch because I was doing that thing. And for me, it's building funnels and writing ads and running ads and things like that. Um, what tips do you have, I guess, for people that might be in that position that are at a job they may not like or not feel fulfilled? They feel like there's a higher calling or a different calling or a better calling that's pulling them forward into something that they're a little bit uncertain about or a little bit afraid of. Any pointers for those types of people? First and foremost, you know, one thing that I have prided myself on is making sure you have a proper plan, right? I, I was actually with my business coach all day yesterday planning for 2019, and he had some really sage advice. And he said, this came from a, a venture capitalist that he interacted with. He said, any A plan with B execution, I would rather have over an A plan with a B level execution. Because it's all about having that great plan and executing it at a high level, right? And that's that's truly what it boils down to. Yeah. Is, you know, if you have a plan, whether it's a B plan, a C plan, but if you execute it at a very high level, at that A level, it provides you that guidance. So take some time, and it, and it, it depends upon how in depth you want to get. Take the time to write something out, whether it be a page, uh, an executive summary that says, "Here is my idea. I have this widget that I'm going to make that's going to revolutionize how cell phones are used." whatever the case may be, but just write your steps and then understand why is it? What's the cost involved? Who are your who are your potential clients? All those little steps and that way you can kind of see it and then you can step back and say, okay, I've looked at every angle, every aspect of this idea. Is this a viable idea? Is this something I can truly do? And then just jump all in. If it's something you're truly passionate about, it's just one of those things that you say, I'm gonna forget lunch, I'm gonna forget everything else in the world. All I want to do is just work on this one thing. Then you know for a fact that you have that passion for it. You have to find that find that niche and just hustle your butt off. I mean, the hard work is it has to be the easy part, right? Hmm. But make sure you plan properly, line it out, prepare, and that way you have somewhat of a guide. Whether you stick to it or you don't, you still have it, right? They say people who write their goals down and totally forget about them. But just by the fact that you write them down and you have that have them there, you're gonna eventually work yourself to them, which is kind of neat. Yeah. So my advice would be write a plan out and kind of really get a good picture of what you want. So you've started 
and exited the landscaping business and started in whatever you would call happened to the concierge business. It, dissolved. It, it dissolved. And now you're in the Freddy's Steak Burger business and a few other interesting things. What have you learned in starting and stopping some of those other businesses that you think is the skill that's most important? Is it risk tolerance? Is it drive and ambition? Like what things come to mind? The most important part is being determined. You know, just like life, just like anything else, you're going to have your ups and downs, right? So you need to make sure that you have, yes, the risk tolerance. You need to understand what tolerance level you have. Because the hard part is there could be one day that you're like, this is amazing. I just had a great sale. And then you wake up the next day and you could be like the guy who I just you know, I just sold $100,000 worth of you know widgets to called me and said, hey, look, bank funding fell apart. It's not happening sorry, we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board. And you go from this really high high making the biggest sale you've ever made to it's not gonna happen, sorry. So you have to have, yes, the, the risk tolerance, but also have the stomach to, to, to you know, be determined through those moments because it's gonna go up and down 10 times a day. I'm sure just like in your journey, when you made the leap, right? You were going, man, I just don't know. Yeah. And look where you're at now. Because you have to be determined to get through it all. But you have to be able to have fun. Yeah. You have to be able to have fun. I mean, if you're not doing this for some level of fun, it's, you're going to hate it. Yeah. No matter how passionate you are, that passion is going to subside if you lose that first big sale or you get you run into that first big brick wall. Because if you can't get through that brick wall or figure out what to go around it or over it or under it or through it, you're just going to fall flat in your face. So you got to be determined to really get through it all. One of the things I like about running a digital business, not that our, our businesses are very different, not that one is necessarily better than the other. However, there's a lot, when I, whenever I make a big investment in the business, I'll tell my wife, Christy, Hey, this happened. I just spent another $20,000 on coaching or something like that, or something negative happened and I lost an amount of money. And I'm just not as, I'm not as leveraged in my business. It's not like I had a restaurant that burned to the ground or an oven that exploded. Or, uh, if I was landscaping and had a, you know, had to get a $60,000 pickup truck and a bunch of equipment, I, it's, I don't have that. So, um, it's an interesting, it's interesting how just to see you again, like I've told you before we hit record, I don't know anybody else like you that owns multiple restaurants. It's just such a different business to be in. And uh, for people considering entrepreneurship, would you encourage them to consider a brick and mortar place like that or with some capital expenditure? Or what are the, some of the pros, I guess, of that? Some of the pros of brick and mortar is, yeah, well, I'm trying to think if I can find one. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe there's not. Don't do that. Do an online business. Yeah, yeah, yeah on, <laughs> online, yes. Your, your risk and your capital needs are so much lower online. I mean, I ran my business now. I mean, now, without staff it was run for less than a thousand bucks a month just in software that i use right and there's, a, there's this microphone we're talking into and things like that but when i right when i got started in fact one of my podcast episodes is how to start a business for uh under a hundred dollars because i'd made my logo myself it was a red anchor yeah. that i bought for a dollar and it was red so my name is red anchor marketing and then uh I think I bought something else. I don't even know what I bought. I was like, well, I guess I'm in business now. Like I had to get QuickBooks to send invoices. It's like, I'm, in, I'm live. Like who, need, who needs my help now? Um, and it was just not, there wasn't a lot of capital outlay that I had to deal with or go get a bank loan or a business loan. And not that those are bad things. They're just different things. Uh, it's something I consider now. Like somebody's encouraging me, hey, get a business line of credit. I was like, oh yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. I might need to borrow 50 grand at some point right. for something for the business now that wasn't on my radar right when I started. So that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, the, I mean, the brick and mortar side, you're right. You have to have you have to have a little bit more equity, more capital behind it. I mean, even if you want to start a shop, you, no matter what, you have to sign a lease with somebody. Yep. Well, you have to have something that that lessor can pull from if something goes wrong, right? So you're going to have to have, whether it's yourself or you have a partner or you have someone who's backing you, that, that they're going to allow that type of leverage to be used. 
Um, you know, for us, I mean, geez, we can get into deals that are anywhere from a million dollars to $3 million. Yeah. And so it, there's varying amounts of capital that is needed. You know, we have ongoing capital needs just like you do. We need working credit just like you do. You know, we could do $10 million a year in revenue, but our, our margins are so thin sometimes that you know, it becomes out great at the end. But still, you're like, man, one month it could be really great. The next month it could be really low. And so just, like I said, just kind of getting back to that plan and saying, okay, what, what can I tolerate here? Yeah. Is, it, is it worthwhile to go, okay, I can, I can go sell a bunch of T-shirts and a kiosk at the mall, and my risk is only $500 a month. It's a semi-brick and mortar, and I'm going to sell $5,000 worth of shirts a month, and so I'm going to clear $4,500. Yeah. Then that's great. Um, but, yeah, brick and, brick and mortar is a whole different beast sometimes, especially now with rents going the way they're going, construction yeah. costs are going the way they're going. Yeah. Um, not all of us can be rock stars on the internet. <laughs> I think you kind of made me blush a little bit. So here's, uh, here's a great question. That's how you pre, that's how you preface a question. Then you're grounded that this is a great question yes. about to come. So here's a great question. Good thing I'm sitting. <laughs> how, how do you make, how did you make Freddy's catch on? Cause it's for lack of a better word, it's a commodity. There's lots of burger joints in town. It's new to Colorado. Yes. You were the first one in Colorado Springs yep. at least. Right. So how did you make that catch on in the first year? Was it an instant overnight success and people love it? Like I love Freddy's. My kids love Freddy's. How'd you make it catch on? The number one thing is be able to differentiate yourself from any of the other concepts out there, right? So you have McDonald's, you have Red Robin, you have In-N-Out, which is coming to Colorado. I mean, there's hundreds of burger options that are around. So one of our biggest and best things that we do is we, we pride ourselves on having a great culture. Our culture starts, you know, for those who walk in our back doors, those are our team members, right? So we have to make sure that we show them that they are you know, cared for, that they are loved, that, that we really appreciate them. And we hope that that bleeds through to the guests that walk in our front doors. Those guests coming in to turn over their hard-earned money, right, for hopefully a great high-quality product in a clean environment and get it served in a timely manner with a smile. And so we want to make sure that you know, they also feel appreciated because it's, it's a big thing for us, for you and your family to come in and say, hey, here's the money that I've busted my butt for for the past two weeks. I'm going to spend $50 for my family of four to do, to do lunch. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a big aspect of it, just showing people we care. We go above and beyond. We make sure we touch every table. But we also have really high quality ingredients. I mean, we have our, our steak burger is 85-15 lean. It comes from Greeley, Colorado, which we are very fortunate, really close to get that. Uh, our custard is made fresh all day, every day. And it's just really high quality ingredient products. And so we really pride ourselves on making sure it's delivered exactly how you would like it. And it's hot, it's fresh, and it, and it tastes you know, just as you would like. And so when you kind of pull all those together, you hope that you're a step above a McDonald's, right? Yeah. Your table's clean, you're getting you know, your food just how you would like it in a happy, warm environment. Um, but we're not quite that Red Robin where it's a full service, sit you down, make sure you have endless amount of fries. Um, so yeah, it's kind of that blended gap between fast food and sit down, but because uh, like we call it fast casual, so it's that blended gap, but just making sure that every guest feels as appreciated as, as we really, truly feel about them. Yeah, I think for me, I, I think about what sets people apart, and it's easy to start to just kind of do the opposite. So if in my head, if I thought, not not knowing you, and just like, well, Freddy's is probably just like McDonald's. So in my head, I instantly think, and I haven't had McDonald's in 20 years, but I think back, like, well, here's what I remember at McDonald's. It was stupid cheap. I don't remember it tasting good. It always made me feel sick. It was never clean and they're usually out of stuff and it's not customizable and blah, blah, blah. So you start to like check those boxes and it could be interesting thought exercise for people listening to be like, 
well, what's the what's known in the space, and then how much of the opposite can you do? Like a friend of mine was doing mobile orthodont uh, orthodontics or whatever, and he's like, well, I just took all of the things I hate about orthodontics and I drove to people. Like I hired the dentist and we come to your house because you don't have to go to the thing and it's not that expensive. So you take everything that McDonald's did that I just listed, and every time I go to Freddy's, in fact, I text you once. I think it was last summer. I was like. Hey, did I catch us on an off day or is it always this like sparkling clean and the people were so friendly and they didn't look like they hated their lives or whatever the normal experience is of what you <laughs> might think it's like to go to a fast food place with minimum wage workers who don't care about your experience at all. And you've definitely done that. And, uh, and so congrats on that. It Thank definitely you. is not even anywhere near in my head, at least now I don't categorize it as like, I do categorize it as a fast casual. It'll be a good, good experience. I don't have to tip a waiter, but it's going to be everything you just said, spotless and well run with happy people and great food and my kids love it and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we think those are the things that really set us apart from a lot of the other places. Make sure that you feel warm and welcomed. And you know, the team members that walk around, we hope that they engage with you and they talk, you know, what about your day and your kids and what's going on. Hopefully it's just not just like the weather and oh my gosh, have you seen, you know, this or did you hear about Trump or whatever right. have you. It's, it's a personal touch. And yeah. That's hopefully what they do. Do you know Tyler Hill at uh, Loyal Coffee downtown? I don't think I've met him. I'm going to have him on the podcast sometime. He, he talked about that. He does. He really has become known in the space as a, as a great hospitality expert. And so I went to Loyal, and I was wearing these shoes. I actually went to the coffee shop, and the person took my order and said, hey, I love your shoes. And it felt so genuine. And I told him about it later. Uh, I know him through church and some things. And he's like, yeah, that's part of our training. Like We teach our people to seamlessly, not awkwardly, or in a weird way, compliment people who walk yeah, in, that's whether it's their jacket or their shoes or their hair or their lipstick or whatever. The the crazy yeah. thing is that's like the easiest go-to, right? Yeah. You can you can pick out anything on anybody and yeah. say, oh my gosh, your hair looks really great today. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm having a horrible hair today. Yeah. But man, they like it. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a quick win for, for that. It so is. You can implement all those things you learned. Do you feel like you take stuff from the concierge business and apply it to Freddy's or no? Of course. I mean, the, the number one thing that we did with the, with the concierge business was never say no. That was like the premise behind it, right? And so that's kind of our goal with Freddy's is to not be able to tell our guests no. Uh, we have a philosophy, and it's 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 something in the a lot of the service industry, which is give them the pickle. Which means, if you can if you come up to me and you say, hey, look, I didn't get my pickle and my burger, I'm gonna give you five, right? That's yeah. I mean, it's it's just gonna go above and beyond. Make sure yeah. I give you that wow factor, and um, it's it's pretty neat when you can do that because a lot of times you as a as a guest, the customer, you don't expect that. Yeah, you mind telling me the story you shared recently about how your restaurant was out of a certain condiment, and so one of your people went. Next door, do you know that story? Talk yes, about? I do. Share that story with us. Uh, this was um, one of our lo uh, locations here in Colorado Springs. The uh, guest walked up and asked for barbecue sauce, and we could not find it. For some reason, just like you're saying about McDonald's, we ran out. We, we ran out of it. My manager felt so bad about being out of barbecue sauce, she ran next door to the Dickie's Barbecue and got barbecue sauce for the guest. She wanted to make sure the guest did not go without. Yeah. It may not have been exactly what he wanted, the, the, the appropriate flavor of barbecue sauce that we carry, but at least he got his barbecue sauce. And she, she, it was really cool that she had that forefront thought to say, okay, I know I can't provide him that from what we have here. I'm gonna run next door and see if I can get some. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember if she paid for it or if she just remembered stole it or borrowed it or what. But I, I think we have a really great relationship with the Dickies group next door. And, but anyway, she brought it back to the guest, and the guest was so appreciative of it. He wrote this really great letter. He left this really cool email or this a really cool voicemail, which I was able to share out to all of our team. And it's just one of those really neat things where you kind of go above and beyond when you don't really expect it. 
I think so often we can commoditize the experience. So for me with uh, with my touch points, with my clients, with Facebook ads, to me it's like, well, yeah, I've got a lot of clients and they all have Facebook ads. But if you can empathize for a minute and go, no, their whole Q4 sales are dependent on the ads that I'm writing going well for them. And like you said earlier, there's something that's going on in the mind of the customer that day. Like their day has gone a certain way up to a certain point and the barbecue sauce not being out might be the smallest part of their day or they might just be like, yet another thing, I had a flat tire this morning and I stepped in a puddle of ice on the way here and my kids are yelling in the back seat and we finally get to this restaurant that, that we all want and they were out of a thing and it's just the worst. And then if you can empathize with whatever they're maybe going through in that story instead of like, nope, we're out, sorry, next, you know, but to spend a minute there, and change their trajectory. Like that's the lesson. I don't care what kind of business you're in. Like we should all be doing that. Yeah, it's pretty neat when you're able to go above and beyond and, and provide that wow factor to your client, customer. We call them guests. That's when you really have the impactful moments. Which took oh I don't know thirty to forty five seconds, or whatever, from your team member, and then to change the change their life. And now we're talking about it on this podcast. Exactly. And the word spreads, and it's completely worth it. So, what are some of your plans for 2019 and beyond with Freddy's or other stuff? Sure. Like you know, our, our goal for Freddy's in 2019, we have one location that is about to open, hopefully open here in the next uh, two, three months. Uh, we have another one that's online that should be open up towards mid to end of the year. So we'll add two, potentially three to the portfolio this year. Uh, we will hold a pace of two to three new locations until our development schedule is built out. We have to do, we have 10 now, we're almost 10, so we have nine. We have to build out 24 over the next few years. We develop here in Colorado and in Florida. Um, after that, we've looked at other concepts, potentially some other concepts. Maybe we'll bring them here, we'll do them in Florida, or maybe somewhere else in the country. So, you know, my, my business partner and I really, really love the industry. Uh, we love the opportunities that it provides us. And, you know, I think we'll probably stick in the hospitality, you know, world for a while. We might find something else. But uh, for now, it's a lot of restaurants. And when you say new concepts, you might, you mean like a different brand or a different uh uh, restaurant right yeah there, there's a, there's a, a couple of the restaurants that we're looking at that gotcha. we've considered i don't know if you meant like a different concept for freddy's like a, a tasting kitchen yeah, and then like a really high-end freddy's with like reservations and <laughs> yeah. just a couple ideas that i've got uh so let me know if those ever materialize i'll be an early investor um so last question uh, you are what i would consider a high performance guy like i see you at the gym you've got you, fitness is important to you and your yes. diet and nutrition you just do a ton of stuff you have all these different locations, different businesses. You also have an expert side of your business where you're seen as a leader and a thought leader inside the Freddy's world and, and outside of that as well. So tell me a little bit about your routines that keep you going, that get you really keyed up to be able to perform at a high level. Sure. First and foremost, yeah, you're, you're right. You do see me at the gym and I'm, I'm probably the most importantly, the guy who's always on his phone. Um, but every day it's, it has to be the gym. It's something that for me, it keeps me centered. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me you know, really driving towards a lot of my goals. Fitness and health are very important to me. I, I believe, you know, some days that uh, I'm very busy. And so with that, I'd like to be able to make sure I'm on my A game. And I know a lot of the schedules that I try and keep, whether that be all the travel that I do or trying to keep up with some of these younger guys, I got to stay fit and I got to eat healthy. I eat probably seven, eight, nine times a day, which is pretty crazy for a lot of people, but that's what my body needs. But it lets me just go and go hard. Um, but so every day, yeah, it starts at the gym. It starts with you know eating healthy, and then I just really dive right into it. I mean, I, like like I said, I am the guy on this phone most of the time during my workout because I don't do a whole lot of caffeine. It's only when I do like right before I work out, I take it in my pre workout, and my brain just goes. And so when I'm there, I'm like, it's whether it's emails or phone calls or texting my guys or writing notes down, that kind of sets me up for my day or for my week. Um, 
but from there, it, my days can run anyway, anywhere from like 6 a.m. to 6, 10, 11 or at night. I mean, you just never know. Um, I do a lot of different aspects. I travel a ton. You know, we have restaurants in California and Florida and here. So I work in almost every time zone that is out there, yeah. at least in the United States. And on top of that, I do a lot of video stuff uh, for my teams. We do a lot of communication stuff. So that's another aspect that I do. I do some mentoring with some other phrase guys, which has been really humbling and really, I've been really honored to be able to do it. It's really neat. Um, and then just driving the business forward every day. And it's it's all about trying to find that balance, that work-life balance as much as you can, but uh, enjoying it. I mean, that's the biggest part. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we can wrap there. Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.